Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show, where intimacy is real. If you desire to intimately connect with yourself, your significant other, children, family, friends, community, and your higher power, this show is for you. Thus, we explore intimate topics, inspiring life stories, spirituality, and insightful tips on strengthening relationships. This show is hosted by Dr. April and her co-host, Dr. Kelly. Now let's get this episode of the Bringing Intimacy Back Show started because we share with you the secret power to intimacy to create a life you love or love the life you create. Now here's your host, Dr. April and co-host, Dr. Kelly. Hi, welcome to the show. Um, to the Bringing Intimacy Back show. Welcome, guys. Hi, Dr. Kelly. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty fantastic. Yes, yes. So, you know, here in the month of February, we've been talking about love in all the different formats. Um, last week, we talked about love um, with Mahler's student, and she's got so much confidence. So That's for sure. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yes. And so um, today, well, we're talking kind of on the other side a little bit and talking about love. And some of us get so addicted to love, you know, has that ever happened to you? Uh, yeah, I've had my dependencies. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's not. It's uh, I love, by the way, I love Sherry Gaba's title of her book, Love Smack. Right, uh, right, exactly. And, and, that, and she's our special that. guest today. Yes. Yeah, it's not all, it's not all fun and games, is it? Nope. Mm-mm. Not everybody had the best Valentine's Day either. Right, right. And love is great, but sometimes it can be an, an addiction. And for um, some of us, we can be into codependency. So our guest today is an expert on that. Well, I want to welcome Sherry Gaba. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. And it is a really good month to be talking about love. But uh, like Kelly said, there's also many that are dealing with the other side of love, which is the, you know, like she said, her, de- you know, dependencies, love addiction. So um, great to be here. Yes. Well, guys, I mean, you may have seen Sherry before. Let me tell you guys a little bit about her and why we're so thrilled to have her. She's a licensed psychologist, a licensed social worker, a life coach. I know that's a lot in one thing, but she works a lot with codependency, addiction, trauma, and mental health issues. She's a single mom, which many of us can relate to and have gone back to school, which I can relate to, where she went to the University of Southern California. And Sherry has actually been on TV for a variety of things. She's had an appearance on VH1, Celebrity Rehab, um, CNN, Inside Edition, Access Live, E! News, Robert Irvin's show. She's also been on Cosmopolitan, Women's World, the LA Times, Tribal Global. She's done so much stuff. And she's the author of a variety of different books, Infinite Recovery, um, Love Smack, which is the one that we're going to talk about a lot today, but plus her other book. And she's been the co-writer of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Wow. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I forgot to tell you guys, she is an editor. Yes, an editor of Recovery Today magazine, which is, yeah. Awesome. So you just do a lot of stuff. I do. I do. I'm not an editor anymore. I kind of replaced that uh, with my own course and online courses that I teach. I had to give up something to bring something in. But yes, I do many things. That's the beauty of being a a therapist slash social worker, you know, a businesswoman. We get to do lots of things. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And just like you were saying, you had to give up something to get something. And sometimes with love, that's what all this is about. Sure. Sure. 
Yeah, definitely. So um, tell us, how did you even get into the field? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I originally was working in the field of addiction and recovery. Um, I married an alcoholic who I later divorced. I, at the same time, I got a fabulous job at a place, it was called Promises. Unfortunately, they um, are no longer business during the Malibu fires, they, they burnt down. But they were all the, one of the original residential treatment centers where people would go there, celebrities and whatnot. And it was a fantastic job. And through that, I eventually met Dr. Drew. And he had a VH1 show called Celebrity Rehab. And just, just through a whole bunch of freaky things and really the law of attraction, putting it out there in the universe, I was invited to be the therapist on his show and behind the scenes. And then from there, my first book came out. And then I realized, you know, everything I'm doing is related to addiction, but I'm not the addict. What I really am is the love addict, and which is addiction, sure, and the codependent. And I thought, you know, how codependent? I keep talking about addiction, the alcoholic. Why don't I just come out and really start talking about my story and really be transparent? So um, for the last few years, since my book came out, Love Smacked, um, I've created, you know, online courses for people struggling with codependence and love addiction. And I can tell you more about that later. This has just become the, the new way of me being me and really telling my story. Well, so what, what is love addiction? Can I just dive right into some questions for you? Can yes. So love addiction, it's a process addiction. Sometimes you can call it a lifestyle addiction. You can call it um, some people call it a soft addiction. So you have you know love addiction or codependency, gaming, shopping, spending. They're all mood alter uh, mood altering activities, but they're not a substance, and yet they create the same euphoric effects, just like substances do. So when you're a love addict, it's really your only identity is being in that relationship. And then when a breakup occurs, you're in this withdrawal state, just like an addict is in a withdrawal state of his, you know, his or her uh, heroin. Um, so basically, at when, when the breakup occurs, you know, you're longing for that attachment and those pleasurable feelings that you got from that lost relationship, just like a drug abuser is craving his heroin. You know, when you're an addict, people often say um, they're always chasing that first high. And so for a love addict, someone like myself, I was always chasing that first high, that first love relationship I had when I was 15 years old. So I was always wanting that feeling because that was for the first time I felt, oh, my God, I feel alive. I feel like I belong. I feel like, you know, I don't feel empty because love addicts feel very empty. And so do all addicts. But for a love addict, they fill it up with relationships or romance or love. Does it show a deficit in uh, another part of their life or is, are certain people just susceptible to it? You know, it's funny that we know addiction in general has genetic pre there's a genetic predisposition to becoming an addict, you know, your grandparent and uncle, whatever. I actually come from a lineage of love addicts, starting with my grandmother. My grandmother was a love addict. She was married four times. Now my mother had a wonderful marriage to my father, but when he died, she, her love addiction just kicked right in and she ended up with a con man and myself, I've been married multiple times in many relationships. That's why I wrote the book love smacked to really take the shame out of it. Because um, as we'll dive into, there are reasons we become love addicts. We usually have had some sort of trauma in our life and, you know, maybe we didn't become a drug drug addict, but we became a love addict instead. And uh, I, I just want to kind of take the stigma out of it. Um, you're not a failure. If you've had multiple relationships, you're not, um, 
it's, it's part of who you are. It's part of your story. And, and that's why I'm talking about it um, so loudly. Okay. So I'm curious, what is the difference between when someone breaks up with someone, um, if they're going through a breakup that's healthy or if it's the love addict thing that you're talking about? Because many people are listening and they're like, hmm, I don't know which one. Well, if you're, if you have a, so if you're in a breakup with somebody that it's normal, you know, you kind of just move on and you, you know, usually hopefully spend a little time alone, you assess things, you figure out what went wrong, you might get therapy or, but you're not so um, needy to get into another relationship. So a love addict is someone that's just going to jump right into another relationship because the idea of being alone is just so petrifying. And, you know, in this age of dating apps, it's just really easy to get right out there and and put yourself out there. But the problem is if you don't have a healthy self-esteem and you put yourself out there right away, these apps can be really, really detrimental to your um, psyche because they're, you know, they're, they're kind of, um, they're technically made to make you addicted in the first place. And then when you're not getting your hits or your swipes or someone's ghosting you and not, and that's all part of the dating app scene um, for a love addict. It's, it, it's really, really hard because a love addict is going to take it really well. Most people would take it personally, but a love addict is, is really going to be just um, devastated by the experience. Right. I get this question and I don't know if Dr. Kelly, you guys get it a lot. So when you break up with someone, um, how long should you wait before you start dating again? Have you guys gotten that question before? Are you asking Dr. Kelly? Well, both of you, both of you. Go ahead, Cherry. Well, you know, in the program of Love Addicts Anonymous, I'll say, you know, don't get into any anything for like a year. But, you know, I think I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that if you find somebody before a year, you know, I don't think it's cut and dry, but I would say this, if you're still feeling very empty, if you feel like you haven't uh, created a little life for yourself, if you're still depending on that other person to fill you up and be your life, not add to your life, then you're probably not ready to get into another relationship. So I think it just depends on how much work you've done. I mean, when I was 50, you know, early fifties and I divorced my alcoholic husband, I just couldn't do this anymore. I could not jump into another relationship and have another situation. I had to finally really look at this trauma piece. So I hired a really great trauma therapist and really delved deep into my early trauma, which is what um, I talk a lot about. I was premature. I tell this story because whenever people hear it, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe that could be trauma. But I was in an incubator two and a half months. My mother didn't hold me or pick me up or there was no nurturing, no bonding, none of that stuff for two and a half months. You both being psychologists, you probably understand, of course, the importance of attachment. So I didn't get that early attachment. So I became a very anxiously attached individual, um, which just really means that, you know, I need that connection. I mean, everybody needs connection, but mine becomes, but mine was more pathological because I didn't get that early attachment. You know, when I was growing up and my parents would go out on a Saturday night, my brother would be like, bye, have a good time. And I'd be crying. And I just always knew I was different. And, um, you know, you, you'd have to imagine a little baby in an incubator being fed through my feet, no sucking response, an oxygen mask over my nose and no, you know, and if any of you are mothers, you, you know, I'm a grandmother now, I'm a mother. And that bonding is just that, that eye to eye contact and that mirroring, that's how we become um, a person, you know, that's how we become secure. And how can you be secure if you don't get that early bonding? Not to mention my mother just wasn't really available in many ways. She had to work full time. She 
she had come from significant trauma. So she wasn't always as present. Um, but I did have a wonderful father. So that was, that was great. Um, but I didn't get that mother love. So I guess I was sort of, I sort of had a mother wound, I would say. Sounds like another book. You know, know. They, they're talking a lot now about mother wounds. If you go, yeah, yeah there's a lot out this because I think many of our listeners may be asking, and I, I even myself, I'm asking, okay, let's see, I want to find out whether or not I do have a love addiction. What are some signs and symptoms? I think that you've already answered that somewhat, but what are some signs and symptoms that somebody may be a love addict? That's a good question. So you're over adapting to what others want. You have no boundaries. Um, you have a just a horrible fear of, of letting go, a fear of the unknown. Um, you try to change others to be what you want them to be. And most importantly, you need others to feel whole. You're looking for others for affirmation and worth. It's like your whole identity is based on that other person wanting you, loving you, needing you. And like I said earlier, you fear abandonment. That, that was my biggest issue, the abandonment piece, or you fear rejection. Um, there's withdrawal symptoms when the relationship ends. Um, and you just give up who you are out of the fear that you're going to lose someone, um, that you're going to be alone. You know, being alone is, is worse, worse than anything you can imagine. So um, it's painful and it's real. And um, I, I just want people to know that it really is an addiction. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that information. Um, one of the things here on the Bring an Intimacy Back show, we try to highlight nonprofits and the, profit of the nonprofit of the month is the American Heart Association. I just want our listeners out there, if you're listening and you're thinking, you know, I have some extra funds or I want to support something, the American Heart Association is a great one because as we talk about love, it all affects our heart. And they invest $2.5 million into life-saving research. So think about it. It's, their website is www.heart.org. And there's a way to give when we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to learn more about love addiction and codependency, how we can get treatment, how we can get help. She's going to go more into detail of how this even gets started. And what does it look like when you're in a relationship, if you're becoming addicted to the love addiction? Are you wanting a vacation in paradise? A vacation to rekindle the passion, a vacation without the kids. A vacation where you can learn how to communicate, where you and your partner actually hear each other and gain insight. If so, Vacation Counseling is your next vacation. Dr. April Brown has created Vacation Counseling in Southwest Florida as a perfect option for you and your partner. Our retreats are one couple at a time. We have a variety of packages available to choose from, including virtual couples retreats. If you and your partner are interested in the vacation counseling, please visit us at vacationcounseling.com for more information on pricing and packages. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. To keep track of the latest news, stories, activities, or coupons on vacation counseling and Dr. April's other services, we encourage you to sign up to receive a monthly newsletter called Intimate Connections at draprilbrown.com. Remember, if you and your partner are struggling with communication and intimacy, and you all are looking for a retreat to connect, Vacation Counseling can be your next vacation in Southwest Florida.
Welcome back to the Bringing Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. Today, we are talking about love addiction and codependency with a licensed clinical social worker and a licensed psychotherapist, Sherry Geba. So Sherry, you, you were just mentioning about the signs and symptoms of love addiction. And so now I'm kind of also thinking um, with this addiction, how does like trauma relate to that in the sense of the love addiction? So as I was explaining my story of being a premature baby, I know that there's probably somebody listening on the show that probably will be able to relate to that. But there's many other types of uh, early trauma. There can be neglect or abandonment. You might have parents that were alcoholics or addicts. They weren't available. You might have had a parent that was a single parent and suddenly you became what we call a parentified child, sort of an adult child where you didn't have the capacity to to deal with what was being given to you, you know, being so responsible at such a young age and having your your parents using you as a surrogate partner if they were a single parent. So there could have been parental neglect, um, inadequate needs are being met, um, could have had abandonment by a parent abuse. Um, So what happens is the panic sets in. And as an adult, you end up responding like an infant in pain and you cling to another. You're you're wanting what you didn't get is really what it is. That's why a lot of people will say, why do I always pick the same type? And it's like, well, you're picking what you know. And that's usually the, the unavailable parent that you didn't get where you didn't get your needs met. So you're craving the others to make you feel whole, to give you that love that you were craving as a baby. Um, or early childhood, or, you know, um, it just comes from not being enough, not having enough. And it's really an unconscious attempt to satisfy our developmental hunger for wanting to belong and to connect. And we end up looking outside ourselves to fix our fear and our pain and our discomfort. And I want, I don't want to say that connection isn't important, we all need connection. But it's when it becomes pathological and healthy, and your whole sense of self is only based on being being in a relationship with somebody else. Yeah, connection is extremely very important. In fact, that's what this show is about, is about connection. Yeah, go on, what are you going to say, Kelly? I was going to say, um, what are some signs um, and symptoms? What are some things that people can see, the red flags that start flying and they're like, uh, hey, wait a minute, this happened before. Um, you didn't like that pain of this addiction. It, it didn't work the first time. What are some things that they can recognize as uh, symptoms and signs uh, that this is happening again? Well, again, it's like, oh, I'm in, am I in this relationship because I can't be alone? Am I settling? Am I trying to fit, you know, a square peg into a round hole? Am I in delusion? Am I in delusion? Am I in denial? Like this person really has these things that I don't like, but I'm just going to kind of stuff them and stick them under the rug because I don't want to be alone. Um, you know, you find yourself going on these dating apps obsessively looking, looking, looking for someone to fill that empty void. Um, you know, settling is a big one. I did a lot of settling because I just didn't want to be on my own. And um, I paid a price for it. I really did a lot of, a lot of, pain. I've had a lot of fun in my life. Don't get me wrong. And it's been fun at times, but it's also been really difficult because when it ends and it's not the right person, because eventually it doesn't work because you really haven't gotten to know the person. You don't even know who the person really is. You're just in love with love. And so um, I think, I think that's really, you know, some of the red flags that you'll, you'll see. 
Yeah, and I see that uh, sometimes people can get to know somebody's body, but not know them as a person. So they take a long time. I mean, I was I was in a relationship with someone. It took me a year and a half to really figure out who this person was. So you may not know at first. You may think the person is right. So, but love addiction is is different. It's like you're trying to fill something up. It's like you're you're like an empty vessel, and this person is just going to fill you up. And that's why it's so important to have a whole life. And we can't say that enough. And it, you know, we talk a lot about connection and you were saying, April, that it's important to have connection. The first connection is with yourself. You know, how do you connect with yourself? And you can go to a therapist, talk therapy forever, but what really worked for me and what really helped me was doing the, the trauma work and really getting connected to my body so that I could be in my body. Because if you look at all addiction, it's an attempt to get out of yourself, get out of your body because you're so uncomfortable in your body. So once you can be in your body and feel comfortable in your own sense of self, then you can be alone and then you'll pick someone from a much healthier space than just trying to fill up something. Mm -hmm. So just like um, individuals with substance addiction, um, with love addiction, if that love type of relationship is not there, do these people go through withdrawal? It's, it's absolutely the same type of thing. It's like you're, you're, you're craving your next relationship. Absolutely. You definitely will go through withdrawal. Um, and it's very painful. It's probably the hardest thing of a love addiction is, oh God, how do I fill that? How do I fill this up? How do I fill myself up? How do I find somebody else? And then you start addictively looking for the next partner. Some, some love addicts even won't even end a relationship and they're already looking for somebody else. Um, to fill that void because they know that something is going to end soon. So they're trying to have somebody kind of in the holding pattern so that when they're single again or whatever, or when the relationship doesn't work out, they have somebody waiting for them. So what's the difference between uh, being in love and having an unhealthy obsession with a partner? Or So in healthy relationships, you know, couples first meet, they idealize each other, they're forming this attachment but as love matures, it becomes less intense and it becomes more secure. And one thing I would say for love addicts is, you know, you have probably more of an anxious attachment style. So you want to look for someone who has a secure attachment style, someone who did get the nurturing they needed, someone who has a sense of self. So for healthy love, trust develops alongside love, but people with love addiction they never get past that initial stage of falling in love. They idealize the person they're in love with, but they never really feel secure enough to trust them. And they become dependent on that person. And they, they love in a very unrealistic way, hoping somehow this person will, will create a sort of happily ever after for them. And it's really unrealistic to expect anyone else to create a satisfying life for you. It's not up to them. You need to already be whole. So inevitably, you're going to be disappointed by this person, expecting them to be the end all for you. So um, their relationships are ultimately never truly satisfying, yet they can't seem to live without them. And they're really not based on a healthy bonding. They're, they're really more like psychological bondage. Mm. Yeah. And how, um, you know, this show is about intimacy. Yes. And, and when we talk about intimacy, we talk a lot about that connection and that bond. And with uh, love addiction, and like you said, this withdrawal, how does that sometimes even affect those people with intimacy? Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, sure. Um, so the way I would answer that is they don't have a connection with themselves. So a lot of times I remember for my, for me, when relationships wouldn't work out, I'd say, Oh, he's just so unavailable. He's just unavailable, emotionally unavailable. 
truth is I was unavailable to myself. I was afraid of intimacy. So of course I kept picking unavailable partners. So, you know, we always have to be a mirror of what's really going on. We have to look at ourselves and go, what is my part here? I have to own my part. I keep picking someone that's unavailable because I'm unavailable. So I need to do the deeper work so I can stay connected to you. I mean, love addicts often are attracted to also love avoidance. So a love avoidant might start out really almost like a narcissist, you know, love bombing you, wanting to be with you, you know, wanting to conquer you. And you're this love addict and you're loving all this attention and it feels so good and it's wonderful. And then all of a sudden they get you and then they're gone because they, again, are afraid of the intimacy. I mean, that was my second husband, you know, just crazy about me. And then once we got married, it was like, oh, and again, we never really had a true healthy connection. It was really based on, you know, attraction and chemistry and not a whole lot else. But it was a very typical, you know, love bombing, love addicted, love avoidant sort of relationship. And where he backed off and withdrew once he attacked, you know, once we were married. And for our listeners that are um, watching this uh, currently live, and you may have questions for author of Love Smack, Sherry Gable, who's with us today. The call-in number is 1-888-627-600. Oh, wow. Sorry wow. about that. Whoa. You know, I can't. Someone's already calling you. Yeah, that's what it sounded like, huh? I can't seem to get my computer phone off. Yeah, the power for a minute. But, no, but you know, this is live, so it gets messy, right? That's okay. We don't mind that. We're, we're used to messy um uh, we help people with messy, and even in our own lives, we know that we're not perfect. So, Sherry, uh, we'll probably have some questions coming in from some of our listeners. Okay. okay. Um, do you um, have any questions, Sherry, uh, Dr. April? Yeah, one of the things that you mentioned earlier um, that we should probably explain was that law of attraction. Mm. You mentioned it a few times. So can you share with our audience what that means? I'm a big believer in, you know, the power of energy, Right. So if, you know, law of attraction really basically means for those who don't know, which I'm sure many of you do know what it means, you know, we create through our thoughts, we create everything that our life is, is what we've put into the universe in terms of our thoughts and our actions and our emotions. So if you're obsessing about what could have been, um, you know, if you're obsessing about lack, like, oh, no one's going to want me, I'm too old, there aren't enough men out there, then you're just, you're just putting lack out there. Um, The other thing is grieving is important, but you also want to acknowledge just how grateful you are in your life. Like you want to live in this place of gratitude like that. Like for me, I, every day I just go, I have love for my dogs. My dogs unconditionally love me. And so, you know, who knows, maybe that will attract the right mate one day, but it's really about, and my grandchildren, you know, my granddaughter and my grandson, who's going to be coming in May. So it's about putting out there these, this positive energy, this positive vibration, because you don't and you just put your partner on a pedestal or you make all of these X's wrong, then again, you know, you're going to attract the same wrong, you know, so you want to really allow the positive in. Um, and you should be the one on the pedestal, right? Like declare, I'm, I am, I'm great. You know, it's not about them. It's like, do I want, you know, the problem I think still in 2021 uh, is people will say, well, does he like me? Is he going to call me? Does he want me? And it's like, well, do I want him? Is he good enough for me? And the same goes for men and, and women or, or, you know, relationships um, that are um, lesbian or gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the flip side of, cause we've been talking so much about the person who may be addicted to love. What happens to on the flip side? 
if you're a partner with someone like this, what happens? You mean, oh, if you're with a love addict? Yes, if you're with a love addict, yes. Wow, um, that's a good question. Well, the things you want to look for, all the things I mentioned in terms of what a love addict is. So if you're finding that somebody's really needy and they want to engulf you and they want all your time and they get jealous really easily and... But you know you have, you have to make sure that that's is that really what it is, or are, am I just unavailable as a love avoidant, and and they just seem too needy? So you kind of have to figure out like, are they over the top needy? Are they wanting too much of my attention? Do I always feel like I'm not enough? Do I always feel like I'm not giving them enough? I mean, these are things; these are red flags for sure. Um, you just may not that you just may not be a match for for that type of person. I don't think anyone really is a healthy match for a love addict, but. Um, those are the things you want to look for. Like why, what this person wants me to be their whole life. Why is that? What, what is, what is not, what's going on in their life or not going on in their life that they're expecting so much of me, because you'll always, you'll never, you'll always disappoint them. You're never going to be enough for them. So you have to do your trauma work because if nobody's a really a good match for a love addict, then, uh, those of you that are listening and it's kind of resonating with you saying, wow, I may be a love addict then you want to do your trauma work or do your emotional work so you don't become what I call that huge sucking sound. Like, yeah, exactly. I, need, I need, like, what about Bob, you know? But uh, no, I, I, had an, I had something happen recently. I had a client, um, she, she was dating someone and her birthday came up and I'm just using this as an example. And someone, and this person thought she was being needy and she had just thought they'd been dating, they'd gone on three or four dates he never called to say happy birthday. He never wished her a happy birthday. It was already four o'clock in the afternoon. Now, someone listening might say, well, that, so what, you know, who cares? But I think it would have been nice if that person would have called early in the day. The second date, uh, all right, right? But my word, yeah, the fourth date. So then- uh, I'm gonna say it though, that woman was, you know, my client wasn't necessarily a love addict. She just wanted someone to have some thoughtfulness. So, you know, you just have to kind of say to yourself, is this, am I asking too much? Mm, I don't think so. And again, and what is it that you need? Now, for this person that didn't call till the end of the day, that person seems to me either thoughtless or just an avoidant. Or like uh, my sister, I never called her on her birthday till the evening. And she was like, don't do that. Call me in the morning, you know, Uh, but I guess it just answers that begs the answer to that question that you just asked. Like, is this a good fit for me? Right. Is it a good fit? Right. Maybe the person who calls in the afternoon needs someone else that just doesn't care, you know, is just very like, I don't need you to call me to feel good. I just think for the birth, nothing against you, Kelly. I mean, it's your sister. It might be a little different, but I think if you're in a new relationship and you're trying to sort of court someone, you know, I would think that you'd want to say happy birthday kind of early in the day. Absolutely. I mean, and don't date a morning or date a morning person if you need to hear in the morning. What exactly? I guess I'm, I want people not to second guess themselves. And, you know, when you are someone that has trauma, sometimes you second guess yourself because you don't even know what it is you really want. And you question, am I asking for too much? I mean, this client was really struggling because she really liked this guy, but it really didn't feel good not being called um, until the end of the day. And then he, he said to her, all right, well, let's chat Monday night or Tuesday night. And then both nights he blew her off. He ended up having other things happen. 
So, but she was still kind of questioning, like, am I, is this love addictive behavior that I expected him to, you know, to, but it's more about, well, is this the kind of person I want to be with? You know, do I want to be with someone who doesn't follow through with what they say they're going to do? Uh, that doesn't make me quote a love addict. Right. There needs to be a reciprocity. I have a question that came in. Okay. 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 All right. Go ahead. The question is from Zoe in Florida. Zoe wants to know if there's a difference between uh, rebound relationships and uh, wondering if you're a love addict. Mm. Hi, Zoe. Uh, Yeah, rebound is is very much close to a love addictive because if you're going if you're going into another relationship and you're still not over the other person, there is an addictive factor to that. It sounds like you don't want to be alone. I mean, it sounds like you're trying to replace you know, the other guy or whatever with somebody new. So I think it's very, I think it's very similar, a rebound and a love addicted, love addicted behavior for sure. How can you know the difference by the signs and symptoms that you mentioned? Um, you know, I mean, I, I never actually thought of that question. I think it's an excellent question, but to me, that is what rebound is. Rebound is trying to replace something that you don't have anymore because you can't you're not comfortable with yourself you're trying you want you don't want to be alone you you miss that other person you you're not comfortable with yourself I mean think about it if you just got out of a relationship why are you running to somebody else well it's because you aren't comfortable with yourself you don't want to be alone you feel like you need someone to fill you up so to me it's really almost the same thing I mean if you rebound back with the same person that's a whole other subject I mean, but, but that too can be love addiction. Like, I just can't be alone. I broke up with you. I know you're not right for me, but I'm going to take you back anyway. I did that a lot in several relationships. Again, because I didn't want them to be with somebody else and I didn't want to be alone. So I would rebound. I mean, I rebound with that past person. And honestly, it never works generally. Okay. Well, we're going to take a small break, but when we come back, we're going to hear about some treatment options and also take more questions in the audience. If you are listening to this commercial, you have a pulse. If you have a pulse, you have stress. You may need a therapist. How do you find a therapist? Oh, you go to your phone book. Wait, what's that? Go to the World Wide Web. You type in therapist near me. And then you find a list of acronyms. LMHC, LPC, NCC. <sighs> How on earth do I understand this and navigate this? Go to drkellyboucher.com. Dr. Kelly specializes in helping people that struggle with anxiety, stress, burnout, grief, depression, compassion, fatigue, sleep issues, body image issues. You can have help today. drkellyboucher.com. Welcome back to the Vegan Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. So actually, um, Sherry, I got a question from Terry. And yes. Terry, Terry um, is wondering, she just got in, out of a relationship, and she just met someone else who just got out of a relationship. And she knows that she's been a recovering um, addict, and they say sometimes you shouldn't date another recovering addict where you're in still... And so she's wondering, if, does that still apply to love addiction? That's a great, great question. So in, you know, the, the recovery circles, they do say wait a year, you know, after your 
getting, you know, waiting years, uh, get sober for a year before you enter into another relationship. And the reason they, they recommend that is because you may be replacing the addiction with something else like love relationship. Um, you may be replacing it with food or, or, you know, gambling or sex or whatever. So I think it's, it's very important if you're newly sober to absolutely give yourself that, that year sober, you know, find yourself again, get connected to you because listen, you've been, you've been self-medicating and covering yourself up for a long time. You don't even know, you know, who you are, or what you feel because you've been self-medicating. So find out who you are, what are your preferences? What do you want? What is, you know, what, really do that work, do that, that first year of sobriety, and then start opening yourself up. That, that's, that is really, I think, great advice, because I think you really, um, you're not yourself that first year. Okay. I have a question from Amy, and uh, she said, uh, I, I think I have love addiction, and I feel like I will never be able to change. Oh, of course you can change. That's the statement. No, there's always hope. And, you know, she probably, without knowing her, uh, she probably has some significant trauma growing up, either neglect or abandonment or rejection or abuse. And so, um, you know, if she's willing to do the trauma work, get a really good therapist, you know, get into a program. I have a wonderful community of people um, alongside trauma therapy. There's absolutely hope. You know, the great thing about getting in a group program along with therapy is you get to be with other people that know what you're going through. I mean, um, in my program, Wake Up Recovery, they connect with each other. And there's a few of them that are going through breakups and they call each other up and they cheer each other on. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than feeling like you're not alone. So please, um, what, what is her name? Amy. Amy, don't, don't ever think that there isn't hope. There's always hope for you. You know, I went to your website, Sherry, and I noticed that you had group therapy. And this is this what you're part of what you're talking about? That that is the program that I'm talking about. It's it's right now for your listeners. It's only a dollar to join and then it goes to twenty seven dollars and they get two live group coaching sessions a month. So they get me live two times a month and then they get hours and hours of interviews with experts on the on the subject and then they have a, I have a program called Wake Up Recovery for Codependency and Toxic Relationships and Love Addiction. So they have all kinds of resources that they can be doing in between the group sessions. I don't know where they're going to find group therapy with a licensed therapist for less than $27 a month. And the support. What? Because groups alone can be a minimum of $75 where we live. So, Oh, uh, sure. For what sure. would you say to somebody who... Uh, fears group therapy. Everybody fears it in the beginning. They're like, I don't want to have to talk, but once you get on there and again, you don't have to talk. You can just be a listener. You don't need, you know, there's zoom calls. You don't even have to show your face at first. You can just listen to the others talk. Um, and hopefully eventually you'll want to, you know, bring up something or, you know, support somebody else in the group, but there's, that isn't, that isn't a requirement. In fact, you know, I have a, a, a place where people can send me in questions and then I'll answer it in the group. But it's just a wonderful place to meet others that are struggling and then to learn how to, to get through love addiction and a toxic relationship. I get a lot of people that are going through breakups or people that are love addicts that go from one relationship to the next. And I get a lot of people that are codependents as well. Do you have a non-dating clause? Can't date anybody in the group? Um, I've never really, um, had that clause. No, I'm not going to have that clause. I want people to meet and, and become, I mean, I sure that'd be a great, it's not, a, listen, this isn't a 
official psychotherapy group. So of course, right. yeah, it's a coaching group, but yeah. there it is being led by a therapist. But no, I think if people, I mean, I've never had anybody because, you know, everybody's coming from all over the country. So that hookups have never really occurred. It's more like really deep friendships, you know, that have formed. That's excellent. It's, um, it's, I, I was curious, besides the wake up recovery, which is a group, what are some of the other treatment options? Um, well, first, are we be able to put the wake up recovery in your show notes, the link by any chance? Yes. Okay. So that's great. Cause I want people to have access to it. Um, so other treatment op- options are, first of all, I want to like congratulate everyone that's here on this call, just learning about it, being aware, being conscious. If they have a, a love addiction, um, making a decision to change, you know, learning to stop looking for external solutions for problems, start really looking inward at yourself Start looking at those fears that keep you from going to relationship to relationship um, and get out of denial. Stop believing someone is someone that they're not. Stop going into that delusion of who you want them to be rather than who they really are. Really, you know, I can't emphasize enough. Go get into that suppressed trauma from your childhood. You know, really love your inner child. Do that self-parenting work. Um, and then just become a really loving, forgiving and compassionate person to yourself and, and use the pain to grow and prepare for a healthy relationship. Cause I believe me, it's on its way. You know, it's the law of attraction. It is on its way if you believe it um, and that you take the steps towards bringing it in um, and trust in yourself and, and learn to let go and find a great therapist, get into a group. Um, there's also 12 step programs out there. There's so much support out there. And there's like podcasts like yours, you know, teaching people about intimate relationships. I mean, there's, there's so much great support out there today. I like your style. Uh, you're so, you have such warmth and it's just so, um, uh-huh. and so opening, uh, just so open. And I want to just thank you so much. Oh, because, um, although I don't have love addiction, I have um, some avoidant attachment issues and you really spoke into my life today. And I just want to say thank you for that. Oh, I thank you, Kelly. That's so sweet. Yeah. That, thank you for being so transparent about that. You probably have your own significant trauma, you know? That- yeah, yeah. And it does really go back to trauma. And, and I would like to ask you, um, uh, what type of trauma therapy would you recommend? Um, I know there's EMDR, there's there's a number of them. What would you think would be good for love addiction? So there's a great book called Waking the Tiger, which is somatic experiencing work. It's a book written by Peter Levine, uh, Waking the Tiger. And I recommend that, recommend that to all my clients. And it's about getting in your body and, and letting go of the energy that's been blocked and having it, uh, you know, allowing it to move through you. And that's really what it is. That is, that is really that simple. It is not rocket science. It's being aware of your significant trauma and then releasing it from your body with a really great trained therapist. EMDR is great. Also tapping. I do a lot of tapping with my clients. I think tapping is great, but I think somatic experiencing is, is the one I like the most because really taught me how to be in my body and be with myself. And it does so much more. I mean, it teaches you not to be reactive. You learn how to respond. You learn how to think before you speak. You, you know, you, you learn how to not be so impulsive. You learn patience, you know, all the things that love addicts 
addicts in general don't have, you know, and, and again, this isn't to shame or blame anybody. It's because of whatever you grew up with. That is what the behavior that you learned and modeled. And that's all, you know, and so, you know, just working through the trauma is, is probably the best gift you could ever give yourself. I only wish I would have done this. I don't even think they knew this then, but I, I didn't do this until my fifties, but if you're someone out there younger, you have such a great life ahead of you doing this work. What is some positive affirmations that you can leave us today? Um, if we're struggling with love addiction or even, you know, struggling with heartbreaks, what is some positive affirmations? Oh, okay, that's a great question. Positive affirmations are a, a really great way. I have a lot of this in my program. Um, is that it's changing negative uh, thought patterns and turning in them into positive thought patterns. So um, you can repeat after me, I am a lovable and valuable person. I'm a lovable and valuable person. Okay. I'm deserving of a healthy partner. I'm deserving of a healthy partner. Who is capable of loving, respecting, and honoring me as a person. Who is capable of honoring, is loving and honoring and respecting me as a person. Perfect. Withdrawal will not last forever. Withdrawal will not last forever. My needs and wants are important. My needs and wants are very important. All my experiences contribute to my growth. All my experiences contribute to my growth. I am learning to let go of let go of dependency on others. I'm learning to let go of dependency on others. And relying on myself for happiness. And relying on myself for happiness. I walk away from toxic people. I walk away from toxic people. I create my own truth in love. And I create my own truth in love. Yeah. And also, by the way, I wanted to let everyone know. Uh, uh, Sherry, before you say anything else, that was just so powerful. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, write them on sticky notes, create your own that speak to you, put them everywhere, say them everywhere, say them in your car, record them, listen to them, just keep changing those neural pathways. Um, also, I want to tell everybody I have a free ebook. If you put that in the show notes called Filling the Empty Heart so they can understand love addiction and a little quiz that goes with it to see if they're a love addict. And please, everyone, don't give up hope if this is something you're dealing with. Yes. And um, the quiz, because I saw the quiz online and took it and stuff. So it does work. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. And I guess uh, April put it in the show notes and wake up recovery is a dollar trial. It goes to $27. It's a dollar week trial. Wakeuprecovery.com forward slash become dash a dash member dash CO one. It's kind of a long title. So definitely if you stick it in the show notes, that would be awesome. Well, I am definitely going to be talking. I'm going to read your book and I am definitely going to be going to your website and I'm going to refer my clients to your website. Oh, thank you so I, much. Truly, what some of the things that you said resonated with me. And I just want to let our listeners know that even scripture says, as a man thinks, so he is, so, or as a woman thinks, so she is. And that means that those thoughts can become actions and actions, habits, and habits, addictions. So if you want to change your, your life and your addictions, you have to start with those positive affirmations and believe the truth and live it. Beautiful, Kelly. Well said. Yes. Thank you, Sherry, for being on the show. We really do appreciate everything that um, you brought to our audience, to our listeners out there. Yeah, please definitely check her out. Thank you for having me both. You both were a pleasure to, to work with today, talk to today.
Thank you. And for those of you that are watching uh, and enjoy this, please share, subscribe. Uh, you can watch our shows on um, YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, we're there. You'll get uh, information from and knowledge and wisdom from people like Sherry Gaba. And our upcoming shows, of course, uh, next week is Bridget Cooper, Intimacy and Opera. We have two next week that are on the power of music is Shonda Mallory. And then March 11th, a personal friend of mine, Pamela Havy Lau. Um, I knew her as Pamela Havy. <laughs> but anyway, she is talking about how to be a safe haven in conversations about intimacy. And then we round uh, another one off in March 18th with Ashley Bernardi of Nardi Media. So we have a lot happening here. And uh, it's just such a pleasure to be a part of your show, Dr. April. Yes, thank you so much. And all our listeners out there, you've been listening and you've been hearing these things and go and enjoy yourself, have fun. And also, if you're hurting, please think about getting help. I mean, we all sometimes need it in counseling and getting help or talking to someone or joining a support group is something that is very um, productive. And will actually, like as Sherry said, it's about taking care of yourself, taking care of your, your heart. When you can take care of yourself and love yourself, then you can do it healthy with someone else. And as someone said, I don't know if Dr. Taylor, have you heard this lesson going to say, that people treat you the way you treat yourself. Yeah. People, yes. Wow. Yeah. And then I, I often say that you, uh, the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do a poor job of loving your neighbor, you're going, that's maybe because you're doing a poor job of loving yourself. And so many people think that it's bad to love yourself. What's that up? What's up with that, Dr. April? I have no idea. I just think it's people think you give, 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 give. But then if you give, but don't have anything for yourself, and then that's not even what any of the scriptures and any of the religions say. It says, like you said, love yourself at. Right. I mean, even uh, airplane, uh, God forbid, if a plane starts to go down, they say that if the oxygen mask drops, put it on yourself first and then others. So it's okay to look out for yourself and to look for the things that you want and use that power of attraction and bring it into your life. Right, definitely. And if I wonder what we're going to bring to our life this week. I know. Well, you know, one thing you and I are going to bring is tomorrow morning at 7.30, we're going to be on Clubhouse talking about intimacy. So check us out. If you're on Clubhouse, if you're a member, we'll be there, Dr. Kelly and I, and we will see you all next week. Take care, guys. Take care. Bye.